Section 18 of the Sikh Religion Its Gurus, Sacred Writings and Authors, Volume 2 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Read for you by Chiquito Crasto The Sikh Religion Its Gurus, Sacred Writings and Authors, Volume 2 by Max Arthur McAuliffe Chapter 11 one day the guru called his elder son saying come here crazy mohan from that moment mohan in fulfilment of his father's words renounced the world shut himself up in a house and fixed his attention on god he used sometimes to eat ravenously with both hands and sometimes he would speak to no one his mother on seeing his idiotic condition addressed the guru my lord by thy look of mercy even the dead revive be good enough to restore mohan to reason had i known that he should have become like this i would not have got him married his wife thy daughter-in-law is now sitting in soiled garments mourning and heaving cold sighs the guru replied people know not mohan's greatness tell his wife to decorate herself and fall at her husband's feet and she shall have a son his wife accordingly arrayed herself and went to do homage to her husband as he sat alone in his chamber her hopes were fulfilled and in due time she was delivered of a son on hearing of the child's birth the guru said he should become an ascetic saint would be called santram in a short time the boy's mother died and he was brought up under the guru's supervision he became very clever committed to memory the guru's hymns and used to recite them with great fervor he compiled the hymns of Guru Amar Das in a volume which is said to be still extant. A Khatri, after much longing, obtained a son whom he called Prema. The child's mother died in giving him birth. Then his father died. His paternal aunt and his sisters, who were nursing him, also died. So did all his paternal and maternal relations, and he was left alone in the world. His property was devoured by designing persons, and to crown his troubles, he became a prey to such virulent leprosy that his fingers and toes dropped off, his body melted away, blood trickled from it, and flies by settling on it and stinging him completed his misery. Some compassionate person tied a small earthen pot to his neck, that the charitable might put morsels into it for his maintenance. When he changed his place, he did so by crawling, but nobody would allow him to approach. He heard of the cures effected by the Guru, how he healed the leper, restored sight to the blind made the deaf hear and the dumb speak so his mind was filled with the desire of beholding such a wonder-worker trundling along the ground he with great delay and difficulty reached goindwal on beholding the joy that pervaded the guru's city and the special happiness of the sikhs and on eating food from the guru's kitchen he became so happy that he composed a song in allusion to his bodily ailment and sang and repeated it with devotion I have now found my lost waistcloth body. I have now found my lost waistcloth. A crowd collected round, and as they listened to his stammering voice, cried, Encore, encore. Some put corn, others water into the vessel suspended from his neck. His pains decreased in proportion as he rolled in the dust of the temple. He implored the Sikhs to tell him how he could see the Guru. They replied that, whenever the Guru on his own accord sent for lepers, he might join them. He then began to reflect that his coming was in vain, and if he could find no refuge in the Guru's sanctuary, 
whither should he go? He therefore thought that he had better remain where he was and die. He then began to weep and laugh alternately. He blamed the sins of his former existence for having been refused a sight of the Guru, which was free as air to all others. Some compassionate Sikhs represented the leper's condition and devotion to the Guru. The Guru said, He speaketh truly, he hath found his former body. Bathe him tomorrow in the water from my bath, then wrap him up from head to foot, and bring him to me. The Sikh acted accordingly. The Guru showed himself to him, and with his own hands, removed the cloth in which they had swathed him, when, lo, he stood forth in manly beauty and symmetry. He received from the Guru a new name, Murari, one of the epithets of Krishan. One day in public audience the Guru asked, Is there any lover of the Guru who will give his daughter in marriage to Murari? A man called Sinha stood up and offered to do so. He accordingly took Murari home, and on arriving there sent his wife, who was of stern temper, to her apartment, that she might not see what he was engaged in. Sinha set up a bridal pavilion, and causing the young couple to perform the usual circumambulations and ceremonies, duly solemnized their marriage. When Sinha's wife heard of the marriage, she ran weeping and wailing to the Guru. A very important thing had occurred. I know nothing of this man's antecedents, or of his caste, or parentage, and yet my husband hath given him my daughter. The Guru replied, I am his father and mother, my caste is his caste. Thy daughter's name is Matho, and my son's Murari. People will afterwards link their names together with reverence. Very fortunate are they who have entered Guru Nanak's asylum. After this, the angry mother was appeased, and conferred a dowry on her daughter. The Guru then addressed Murari, Go home now and abide in happiness. Give men initiation by the true name and save them. Thou too shalt make converts to faith and wealth and supernatural power shall wait on thee. There was a Brahman called Kheda, who was such a devout worshipper of the goddess Durga, that he was ever singing her praises. He used to go twice a year to see her arrayed in flame at Jwalamukhi. Once on passing through Goindwal, he tarried there in his curiosity to behold the Guru. The Sikhs duly apprised the Guru of the stranger's visit. But he, as usual, said, that he could only grant Kheda an interview when he had taken food from his kitchen. Kheda reflected that he was a Brahman, and as such could only eat food which he had cooked himself within a purified square. He could not forfeit his salvation by eating from a kitchen which supplied the four castes indiscriminately. He therefore returned to his party and resolved to continue his journey. It was agreed that they should all proceed on the morrow. At night, the goddess of his worship, assuming a terrible shape, appeared to him in a vision. He called out, O Durga, protect me. What offence have I committed? She replied, Guru Nanak was born to save the world. Guru Amardas, in his image, is now on his throne. Turning away from him, thou art leaving Goindwal. On this account I have appeared unto thee. Now go and see the Guru. Keda went back, ate from the Guru's kitchen, and was then permitted to bow at his feet. In reply to the Guru's inquiries, he told him his whole story. The Guru was pleased with his visit and gave him every consolation. He gave him the spell of initiation as a Sikh, granted him salvation, and bestowed on him the power of conferring it on others. Keda afterwards materially contributed to the spread of the Sikh gospel. A pandit called Baini, who expounded the Vedas and the Shastars, and who had committed Sanskrit syntax, etymology, and prosody to memory, was travelling around India in great spiritual pride. 
whenever he heard of any famous pandit he went discussed vanquished him and then took possession of all his library having defeated in arguments the pandits in all the great cities of india he turned his steps towards goindwal the pandits there naturally refused to enter into a discussion with a man who had gained so many victories and referred him to the guru the guru gave him a seat and inquired why he favored him with a visit he replied thy sikhs read not the twilight prayers or the gayatri they perform not pilgrimages penances or the religious duties of the hindus how shall they be saved the guru replied those things sufficed for the first three ages of the world but in this fourth age they are useless at present it is the name alone that can confer salvation devotion is the means of salvation and it is best performed under the guru's guidance without devotion all ritual is vain take a lamp in thy hand and walk not in darkness seed can only germinate at the proper season renounce false pride and perform such devotion as may absorb thy mind in god's love now as thou art a pandit give an answer to my question is man a householder or an anchoret is man without caste and ever immortal is man fickle or without love for the world whence hath pride attached to man o pandit reflect on man why read so much and bear further burden the creator attached to mammon and worldly love to man and according to his law created the world by the guru's favor understand this o brother and ever abide under god's protection he is a pandit who divesteth himself of the load of the three qualities and daily uttereth the one name such a pandit receiveth the instruction of the true guru and offereth his life unto him the pandit who ever abideth apart and unmoved shall be acceptable in god's court to all he preacheth that there is only the one god and all that he beholdeth he recognizeth as the one god him whom he favoureth he blendeth with god and rendereth ever happy in this world and the next saith nanak what can one do and how he to whom god is merciful shall be saved he shall each day sing god's praises and not be again deafened with the shastras and the vedas the pandit on hearing this thought to himself i have been carried away by the stream of intellectual pride now that i have the raft of the guru's instruction i will embark on it cross the world's dangerous ocean and obtain salvation the star of the pandit's good fortune had arisen he sought the guru's protection and obtained the fruit thereof with clasped hands he again addressed the guru great king i have become a pandit by reading but until now i have not understood what real knowledge meant i have been so blinded by pilgrimages penance and reading the shastras and so absorbed in idol worship and pride that i have possessed no real devotion now that i have entered thine asylum instruct me and save me the pandit disencumbered himself of all his volumes and humbly sat at the guru's feet for spiritual instruction the doors of his understanding opened and he became filled with devotion thus having by the guru's favor obtained salvation while alive he thanked him and took his departure chapter 12 there lived a devout sikh named prema in the village of talwandi about 7 kos from goindwal he was lame but yet able to walk with the aid of a crutch he used every day to take a pitcher of milk to the guru who drank some himself and distributed the remainder among his guests one day in the height of the rainy season as the roads were full of mire he set out with his usual offering the village chaudhri frequently observed him going and coming on this particular day 
the Chaudhuri remained at home, and having nothing better to do, watched the sick, and furtively took away his crutch, saying to him, Go not today. There is too much mire on the ground. If you persist in going, you will fall down and die. Another man said to him, Your guru is such a wonder-worker. Why does he not cure your leg? If he cannot do so, how shall he save you hereafter? Prema prayed to be allowed to pay his usual visit to the guru. In reply to the impertinent inquiries, he said he had not become a Sikh to have his leg made whole, and he had never asked the guru for a new one. His tormentors continued to tease him for some time, and at last returned him his support, whereupon he hastened with all his might to the guru. Prema told the whole story, how he had been delayed by the mischievous pranks of the Chaudhuri. Upon this the guru said that his leg must be mended. The guru continued, On the bank of the river, there dwelleth a Muhammadan fakir called Husseini Shah. Go and tell him that the Guru hath sent thee to be thoroughly cured. Husseini Shah lived alone and allowed no one to approach him, but by the Guru's favour he made Prema an exception and allowed him to sit down beside him. When Prema had finished his narrative, the fakir took up a stick to castigate him, as he had done other visitors for intruding on his privacy. Prema, watching his movements, ran away forgetting in his haste to take his crutch with him. To his delight and surprise, his leg became whole. Prema then returned to the fakir, fell to the ground before him, and thanked him profusely for the cure he had wrought in such an unceremonious and extraordinary manner. Husseini modestly disclaimed all credit and said, Thy leg was cured the moment the guru told thee to come to me. But he hath given me the evil reputation of exercising supernatural power. Go now, fall at his feet and offer him my homage also. There are many servants of God like me, but I am confident there is none like the Guru, who is perfect and omnipotent. Thus did even pious Mohammedans bear testimony to the Guru's spiritual greatness. The Guru was an ocean of mercy, which contained many gems of virtue and divine knowledge, and whoever dived therein with faith obtained his great reward. One day, Bhai Buddha and other Sikhs, finding a favourable opportunity, requested the Guru to be good enough to recount to them the rules of his religion. He said, While yet a watch of night remaineth, let my Sikhs arise, bathe, and sit apart for meditation. Let them ponder on the Guru's hymns, and repeat God's name until the morning. Let them out of their honest earnings, assist holy men, and never take another's wife or property. Let them never utter harsh words, falsehoods, or slander. Let them mourn when others mourn, and rejoice when they rejoice. Let them not eat until they are hungry, or sleep until they are sleepy. For he who eateth unnecessarily contracteth disease, and he who sleepeth unnecessarily shorteneth his life. Let them forget not the true name for a moment. Let them accept God's will, and deeming what God doeth to be for the best, impute no blame to him. Let them maintain their mental serenity, subdue pride, lust, wrath, and avarice, and be contented with rightful gain. Let them not desire to have their good acts known, otherwise their full advantage would not be obtained, and vainglory would be added to their other sins. Let them never listen to slander of God or the Guru, but shun the company of slanderers. Let them avoid deceit, envy, and avarice, and rely on God's worship for salvation. Let them ever make preparation for their future happiness, and never be entangled with worldly pleasures. Let Sikhs ever associate with the holy, love the Guru's hymns, and be pleased when they read or listen to them. Let them act according to the Guru's words. 
then shall they know that they are saved. Whenever Arjan, Jetha's young child, was brought to the Guru, he used to embrace and fondle him. One day, as the Guru was taking his meal, Arjan crawled to his chamber and put his hand into his plate. The Sikhs took the child away, but he returned and acted as before. He was again removed, and on his return for the third time, the Guru gave him his leavings. The Guru then said, Come, heir to the plate, wilt thou have it? The Sikhs understood that the Guru by these words foretold Arjan's succession to the exalted position of Guruship. One day, Bhai Buddha, on seeing the Guru eat, said to him, Is it right for Sikhs to eat dainty food, while thou art satisfied with a coarse meal? Issue an order that only such food as thou eatest shall be served from thy kitchen. The Guru replied, O Bhai Buddha, thou supposest there is a difference between the Sikhs and me. I enjoy the flavour of what the Sikhs eat. Then all became certain that what entered the Sikhs' mouths contributed to the Guru's sustenance. Upon that occasion, Jetha composed the following. As a mother is delighted when her child taketh food, as a fish is delighted when it batheth in the water, so the true Guru is delighted when his disciple findeth food. O beloved God, cause me to meet such servants of thine, as will remove sorrow from me by the interview. As a cow is delighted at the meeting of her calf, as a wife is delighted when her beloved returneth home, so is a holy man delighted when he singeth God's praises. As the chatrik is delighted when it raineth in torrents, as a king is delighted to see his wealth increase, so is a godly man delighted when he repeateth the name of the formless. As man is delighted at acquiring worldly wealth, as the Guru's disciple is delighted when he meeteth and embraceth his Guru, so is Nanak delighted on licking the feet of holy men. Two men named Phiriya and Katara, from the neighbourhood of Dilli, having heard of the Guru's fame, visited him at Goindwal and performed for him assiduous service. The Guru, being very pleased, one day said to them, You shall obtain full knowledge of my religion, and you may now return to your own country to preach there the true name and lead souls to salvation. They represented, O true king, the inhabitants of our country are followers of yogis who split their ears. The yogis deceive them by incantations and spells, and consequently the people know nothing of devotion, the Guru's hymns, or divine knowledge. They worship cemeteries and cremation grounds, are averse from true religion, and none but the true Guru himself can save them. The Guru replied, Go utter it Waheguru, teach every one you meet the virtues of the true name, and put people on the Guru's way. Piriya and Katara again represented, Such is the power of the yogis, that simple men like us may not withstand them. Without the special power of the Guru, how can the true name be proclaimed among such persons? The Guru replied, The Creator will be with you. Your words shall penetrate their hearts, and their impious efforts shall not prevail against you. From the sleep of ignorance men shall awake to divine knowledge. Grant them the gift of the name. Cause them to utter Waheguru and walk in the path shown by the Guru. Having received these commands and the Guru's blessing, and meditated on the immortal being in their hearts, Piriya and Katara returned to their own country. On arriving, they there proceeded to a yogi's monastery. The yogis, on seeing their faces beaming with a light shed on them by the Guru, fled like deer on seeing a tiger. Piriya and Katara then converted the monastery into a temple. People assembled in crowds, and asked whence these very mighty men had come, and had dared violate the sanctity of the Goraknath, and before whom the priests of the yogis had fled. 
A crowd of people came to create a disturbance, but on hearing Piriya and Katara sing the Guru's hymns, their hard hearts so melted that they sought the Sikh's protection and with all due ceremonies embraced the Sikh religion and began to worship the one God. All their desires, spiritual and temporal, were then fulfilled. Several persons were gradually converted. Yogis' monasteries were destroyed, and in their places imposing Sikh temples reared to the glory of God and true religion. End of section 18. Read for you by Chiquito Crasto, Lubbock, Texas.